Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Okay, you guys, there is so much more to life than just workouts and healthy recipes. This is all of those real moments, the good, the bad, and the sometimes hilarious things that make life so worth living. So how do you live it? This is the Let's Do Life podcast with me, Autumn Calabrese. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Do Life. I am so excited to get to my Zoom interview with Chris Harder in just a second. He has so many great tips for you guys on money, how to pivot, how to stretch your money, what to be investing in right now, what you can do to save money. But before we get to that, really quick, all right, let's get to Chris. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Let's Do Life with Autumn Calabrese podcast. I've got a special guest joining me today, the fabulous Mr. Chris Harder. He is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and the host of For the Love of Money podcast. Did I get the name of that one right? You sure did, For the Love of Money. For the love of money. We all love money. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing to be ashamed of. You guys, let me just tell you really quick. So, I got to give them a little backstory, Chris, on how I met you and your beautiful wife, Lori. Definitely. Last year, my, uh, my business manager called me and I had really been talking about the fact that I wanted to participate in a mastermind. And she called me and she's like, oh my gosh, a spot became available in this really cool mastermind. I think you should go. And it was in Monaco. And if I went, I was going to be going by myself, which... Most people think I'm really extroverted, but I'm like an introvert extrovert. Like if I know you, I'm super extroverted, but I don't like to be by myself. Like I'm very uncomfortable. And then to travel like halfway around the globe by myself to go be with a group of people I don't know is like one of my biggest fears. Okay. (laughs) But she, my business partner had told me, she was like, Lori and Chris Harder are going to be there. And I was like, have to suck it up. I have to go. Like I had been following them for years and I just was so excited to meet them and get to talk to them and to sort of mastermind with them. And it was like, the trip was amazing. It was absolutely worth it. And a friendship was formed and here we are. It was like the best circumstances to meet somebody, right? I mean, it's almost like the bachelor. You couldn't help, but enjoy whoever you're meeting because we're in Monaco. It's the South of France. Uh, the hotel setting, the activities, everything was just so dang beautiful that if you can't like meet somebody and get along there, then you've got some serious issues. Yeah. If you can't just be in your happy place, yeah, you have a problem. Exactly. You know, I'm so glad for that moment though, because it created this friendship that who knows, maybe it would have formed in a different way through mutual friends, but that's why you have to join things full of like-minded individuals. It's where those people are when you're kind of wondering, Hey, where are the people that get me? It, it's at things like that. And so I'm so glad that, uh, that you said yes and yeah. that we said yes and that that's where we got to first meet. It's outside your comfort zone, you guys. And I think actually what we're about to dive into, the topic we're about to dive into even goes along with that because we are going to talk about money, money management. Um, if you saw my social media post about the fact that I was going to have this call about pivoting in really hard times. And somebody had asked me a really great great question because I always tell people who my guests are going to be so that they can give me questions that they might want to ask. And somebody was asking about like, Autumn, if you haven't always been well-to-do, like, you know, how did you get to where you are? And I honestly, you guys haven't always been in the position I am. I've only been in this position for a very, very short period of my life, seven years out of the 39 I've been alive. 
But before Beachbody, I was a paycheck to paycheck, 14 hours, make ends meet. And, but I did have systems in place so that little by little, I was doing better. So we're going to get into all of that. But I love that we have Chris on here and he's just going to give us so much knowledge about it. So I guess, Chris, here we are. We're in a pandemic mm-hmm. and millions of people have now lost their jobs. Yeah. And if they haven't, maybe they haven't totally lost a job, but maybe their income has been cut down depending on the kind of job that they have. Mm-hmm. And they're in a panic. And, and, and we can talk a little bit later about what they could have maybe done to be better prepared for a moment like this. But here we are now and we're, we're in it yeah. and people are scrambling and they're wondering about everything that they can do from saving money on groceries to investing money properly. Mm -hmm. Should they try to buy real estate right now? Like there, there's questions galore. So if you just had to start us off, where do you want to start? Where do you want to dive in? Autumn, this is such a fascinating time to be doing this show with you. Right. And what you said, and I love what that person asked you. If, If you were not wealthy, if you were starting from zero, what would you do? Because that's the most valuable question out there. You know, the, the old, if you had to start again. And I really want to do a good job of painting the perspective of where I teach from as I answer this question. Because yes, today, Lori and I are in a great spot. And yes, today, you are in a great spot. And as we face this financial crisis, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. um, it feels good to be secure. But the last financial crisis that we faced in 2008, 2009, Lori and I were on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I'm about to really paint that picture for you in a moment. And so to everyone who's listening right now, this this story I'm I'm about to tell, if you feel like you are facing uncertainty right now, if you feel like you don't want to be told what you should have been doing correct before this moment, because I understand that that is like the the worst thing that somebody wants to hear when they're in the muck of it. Um, If you feel like you are out of options or have no guidance, then this podcast is totally for you. Because when Lori and I faced the 2008-2009 financial crisis, just more than a decade ago, um, I was in banking. And I was one of the fastest rising executives for the world's biggest bank at that time. But where do you not want to be in a banking recession? Of course, in banking. And so we, we got hit hard. Now, you would think a couple of things because of the um, profession that I was in. You would think that number one, Uh, I was prepared or maybe somehow saw the recession coming, but just like everybody else, it's human nature to ignore those signs. And we just want to keep on believing that things are the way they are. And of course I did that too. And more importantly, you'd think that I would have taken really good care of our money, right? Had good uh, education around money, good money management skills, but I didn't because I was young and arrogant and ignorant. And I thought it was going to last forever. You know, I'd come home every year, if not twice a year. And I'd say, Hey babe, got a promotion. Uh, let's go pick out a new home. I'm getting on an airplane. And I really was naive and thought that would last forever. So we didn't take care of our money at all. And when the music stopped autumn, uh, we were left holding the bag and that was a bag of of crap. And here's what it looked like. It was mounds of debt having bought stupid things. It was a bunch of brand new cars that for just Lori and I, I don't know why we had them. Um, It was a great big home that we had just finished building way bigger than we needed. Um, and it was, um, just a really tough situation because I was the only breadwinner. Lori didn't have her career. She, you know, wasn't the Lori that you guys know today yet. And so I came home and I said, babe, 
we need to sell everything. We need to get rid of everything. We had to short sell that home that we just finished building, which means you sell it for less than you owe on it. Um, and the most humiliating point uh, was this. We had to list every possession, the furniture, the TVs, the grills, you name it. We had to list every possession that we had bought and waste our money on on Craigslist so that everybody could come and buy them and we could get some cash for it. Because we took my entire severance package, multi, multi, six figures, and put the whole thing towards debt, getting rid of the cars, everything else. We still were below zero. So here's what we did. Car after car after car pulled up in front of the house. And person after person walked in and they bargained for the furniture, they bargained for the couch, they bargained for the TVs, they bargained for everything. And they walked out with our possessions while the neighbors were watching. And you have to understand, this was one of those judgmental McMansion uh, type of neighborhoods, right? So while the, and this was early in the recession, we were early adapters. So while the neighbors looked on, people marched out of our house with our possessions. And that had to be the most humiliating low point of the whole thing. But here's what it allowed us to do. Autumn, we left that place. We got a tiny 900 square foot loft style apartment in downtown or uptown Minneapolis. And we were able to use the cash from selling everything right down to shoes and bags. We were able to use that handful of cash to prepay the lease on that apartment for 12 months. And what that gave us was this, that gave us the runway to make good long-term decisions about how we wanted to make our comeback that removed a lot of the financial stress because we made those bold, embarrassing moves to put us our, ourselves in position to remove that stress. So we weren't making decisions out of putting out fires now. And it really gave us the space for that to become the time where we pivoted. We'll probably talk about that a lot today and where we reinvented. There's a lot of people reinventing right now and create the couple, the two people that you guys know today. And without that moment in time, here's why I share that story. Without that moment in time, we wouldn't be having this podcast. Right. Um, we wouldn't have the companies or the accolades that we do today. Um, we wouldn't have the happiness. And if anyone is listening right now, if you feel like this is your low point, there's no shame whatsoever in your financial position. There's only what you plan to do about it, even if you have to go to the extremes like we did. And it was so worth it because I promise you, it's not going to feel good in the moment. I won't convince you of that. But when you get to look back on this time, if you use it wisely, if you pivot wisely, if you make some moves, and I'm happy to share some of those key moves if you want, right. um, then you'll look back on this as one of the greatest gifts that you were ever given. The time your back was against the wall, the time that you were forced to choose again, and the time that you were forced to reinvent and pivot into what you really wanted to do in life. I have, I, uh, first of all, I did not know that story and that is so powerful and thank you for sharing it because it, it's so great when you, when you see somebody who has, you know, come so far and you hear where they came from, if obviously people can start to relate and they don't start, they, they take the judgment away or the looking down of like, of course, life is easy for you right now. And I actually have been in similar positions many times in my life. Um, when I was a kid, my dad had to file bankruptcy and it was moving from one place to another. And, you know, um, my brother, not my brother and sister at private schools and my dad not being able to make the tuition for the payment on my brother's private school and my brother getting kicked out for a month Ooh. and then having to go back 
and try to make up a month's worth of work in his senior year so that he could graduate at the same time. Ooh. And then 2008, I was a personal trainer and I had very high-end clients and I was doing in-home personal training. Well, what is the first thing to get cut when, when people's money and jobs start to go? The extras. I'm an extra. Like the, I, My job was an extra. And so I had to do the same thing. Being in situations like this, might make feel like the lowest point. It might make you feel like you're a failure. It might send you into a sense of panic and keep you up all night. It can do all those things. Or it can be what I like to call a redirect. And a redirect, if you look at it that way, is a beautiful thing. It, yeah, it causes you to think, but it also causes you to get creative and to recognize where you were and what you need to do differently so that if it were to happen again, you're in a better place. And that's what happened for me in 2008. I had to go from like, whoa, I had all these high-end clients and it was all word of mouth. And I, I was at the point where I barely had to do anything to get new clients. I had a waiting list. I had a, literally a notebook, a waiting list. I couldn't take anybody else on. And in one week, and it was the week before Christmas, and I had a almost two-year-old. I lost half my clients in one week. Ooh, and that's happening today to people. Like in a week's time, they're losing their whole client base of whatever they do. Everything. Customers. And, and so we've been there, you guys, and we understand it and, and we know the feeling. So let's talk about what, let me say this. I'm going to give one tip right now. I can tell you guys this. For me, because I've had a million different jobs in my life, no job is beneath me. And right now, if I were still a trainer in a gym and I wasn't able to work, you better believe I, like, I just hear the song, I'm a hustler, baby. Like, play, because I would be hustling. I would, any job that was available, I wouldn't care what the pay was. I mean, I would obviously have to assess the hours and my kid home and things like that. But you better believe I'd be out there working something. And while working something, I would also be coming up with a game plan over here to make sure moving forward, I didn't end up in the same position again. Yeah. And that's why you're successful, by the way, is because of that resourcefulness and that willingness. And that's, that's a muscle that some people are going to be growing right now that they don't yeah. have yet. We got to work it. We got to get out of the... You have to grow that muscle, right? Yeah, we got to get out of, like, we can, we can have our moment and we can grieve for sure and we can be frustrated and angry and sad, but we can't live in it because frustrated, angry, and sad won't produce anything new. Chris, you are giving us so much useful information. I cannot wait to hear more. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. about your tips and things that people can be doing to rise up and pull themselves up from their bootstraps and move forward right now. Yeah. So this is so important. Uh, no matter where you are facing this financial situation, I promise you do have moves even when you feel like you don't. And you're going to have to have that spirit of resourcefulness and that spirit of grit that you were just talking about, Autumn, or you're going to hear a couple of these things and say, oh, that sounds tough or, oh, that you know, sounds like it's going to hurt. Uh, the ego. But listen, drastic times call for drastic shifts and drastic changes, right? 
And I'll start by saying this, by the way, before I give you the four tips, it's not all doom and gloom. Like opportunity doesn't go away. It just changes shape and form and location. Yes. And so if you have an opportunity that went away, if you're a trainer and you've been sent home, um, if you have a storefront and it's been closed, if you had a job and, and you know, it no longer exists, it's not that that opportunity went away. It changed form, it changed shape, it changed location, and you have to go find it. Now, here's what you can do. If you're waking up right now and you are panicked, there's four very specific things you should do. The first one is called stop the bleeding. Now, stop the bleeding means uh, you need to get rid of every unnecessary expense and you need to be able to get your monthly outgo for your household or your business down to the tiniest amount possible. And we are in some really interesting times in that you've got some advantages that you don't normally have. For example, you can call your mortgage company or your landlord or your uh, car loan company and you can ask them for a deferral of your payments and they are saying yes dang near 100% of the time. I have yet to have one person come back and tell me that they said no. So they'll take a few payments, they'll stick them on the back of the loan so that you can have some breathing room. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll do up to six months. You know, you, you always get what you ask for. So start, it's a negotiation, start high and, and meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, you can also call your credit card companies and you can not only have them stop your payments for several months, you can also have them stop the accrual of your interest. And that's very important. So your interest won't keep piling up during this time. They will stop the accrual of your interest if you ask for it and defer those payments. If you have bloated leases, if you have a gym, I've got a couple clients and they have physical gyms. If you have a gym, if you have a storefront, if you have something like that, now's the time to negotiate not only a few months off from that lease, but a brand new lower lease coming out the other end. Because it's not like you're going to be able to just turn on the light switch and all of a sudden all the clients are back. And your landlords know for a fact that when the music slowly starts up again, that rents and property values and everything are going to be significantly lower. And they would rather you come to an agreement right now that fits you both as opposed to uh, you leaving them with an empty space in a time where not very many people are going to be looking, right? So stop the bleeding means pulling out all these advantages, negotiating these things down, pulling out your last three months credit card payments uh, statements, pulling out your last three months bank statements, slashing every unnecessary line item that won't be a part of your comeback. So don't slash a great coach. Don't slash um, you know, your marketing budget if you need that, but everything else that's unnecessary and getting that monthly outgo down to the lowest number possible. So that's number one, stop the bleeding. Okay. I'm going to contribute to that because I love that. And here's the one thing. Okay. So before, before I was with Beachbody, when I lived paycheck to paycheck, guys, sometimes people don't even realize what they're spending. So for me, this might sound hilarious. I had this desk in my little studio apartment, okay? This little desk I had gotten at like Ikea or something, and it had a cabinet door on it. And at the start of every month, I put up a blank white sheet of paper, and I would write all my expenses for the month, all the bills I knew for sure were coming in. What was my car payment? What was my rent? What was any credit card payment? What was the phone bill? What was like all the bills that I knew the exact amount that were, okay? And I knew usually what date they were coming in on. Like this is how detailed I was. And the second that bill came in, I opened it, wrote the check, put it back in the mail and I highlighted it. So I knew that that bill had been paid because I was a waitress. 
So I never knew exactly how much money I was going to make. So I was constantly, like I wouldn't wait till once a month to balance a checkbook. I was balancing the checkbook religiously knowing these are the main bills. What do I have left to spend? And there might be months where there was nothing extra to spend. And there might be months where there was like $20. And I would have to decide, is that $20 going into savings? Or was I going to go out one night? But you can't stop the bleeding if you don't actually dial into what your finances are. So you might need to sit down and have like an honest look. Because a lot of people don't like to do that. They don't like to look at finances. Write the check and throw it because it gives you anxiety. And they get rid of it. Ah, And they don't stop to mentally say, what am I actually doing? So... Well, however you got to do it, be it a notebook or something in the desk or however you got to look at it, you got to know exactly what all those things are. And then like Chris said, you got to start cutting the fat, cut the yeah, fat, cut the extra. Such good advice. You know, the, the head in the sand mentality, you don't have to have your head in the sand during this time because, because it's a financial crisis for everybody. Number one, that means there's no shame, right? right? You can look at your finances without judgment. Number two, Everybody else, including your landlords and your, um, your banks and everything else, they're in a financial panic. And so they, are, they have never been more amicable when it comes to wanting to come up with a, what I call a shared sacrifice plan so that you don't leave them high and dry by claiming bankruptcy or something. Right. So everything is actually in your favor. I know it doesn't feel that way, but financially, everything is in your favor in this moment for you to stop the bleeding. So take your head out of the sand, look at it, don't be ashamed of it, and take that action. And that almost leads into point number two. Point number two is this, and this is going to sound like it's not a financial tip, but it is, and you'll see why. Point number two is create a bulletproof routine. I mean, like a non-negotiable routine, especially in how you start your day. And here's why. Right now, aside from having your head in the sand, everybody is being reactive. You're being reactive to losing your job. You're being reactive to the bad news. You're being reactive to the new number of deaths. You're being reactive to the new job loss numbers. And what it does is it sets you into panic. It causes you to have fear. It causes you to pause. It causes you to freeze. And the rest of your day is wasted because you're coming from a place of a fear-based or lack-based mentality when you are very reactive. So instead, you need to create a bulletproof routine that makes you proactive so that you'll have the time and energy to do not only step one, but also step three and four that I'm going to share in a moment here. So what does that look like? I can only share our personal one. I wake Lori up every single morning. I roll over and I say, Hey babe, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And I make her say it back to me. So can you imagine Autumn being sound asleep and someone shaking you by the shoulders and saying it, make you say it back. Trust me, she doesn't like it, but she does it. And she (laughs) likes the result of it. Right. So then I roll right back over and I close my eyes and I just say a really quick prayer of everything I'm uh, grateful for. And it's just like making a list, like a very juvenile, childish list of things I'm grateful for in the moment. And it's different every day. And so it might be, I'm grateful that my new puppy bananas is laying across my legs. I'm grateful that Lori woke up next to me and glad that I'm healthy. I'm glad that this roof is over our head. Like I just make 60 second list of everything I'm grateful for. And it's different. Now look what I've done before my feet have hit the floor, because those are non-negotiables for me. I have already controlled the lenses, so to speak, that I'm going to see my morning through, what kind of attitude I'll have, what kind of possibility I'll see. And when you can control your morning, you can much easier control your afternoon. And it doesn't stop there. We go downstairs. We must read a book or listen to a podcast like this one. Um, 
before while we have our coffee before we go on social media or anything like that and then we must get our workout in uh before we let the world tap into us and here's why we need to fill our cup first so that we are the best most ninja versions of ourselves for what the rest of the day might look like and here's why you're not going to be able to control your circumstances the rest of the day I promise you, Lori and I have bad circumstances pop up all the time with, with eight different companies that we own uh, either individually or have uh, joint ownership in with other people. So trust me, bad circumstances pop up every day. But when you've got a routine like this and you're filling your cup first and you're choosing the lenses you see the day through, the, how you react to those circumstances gives you a very different outcome to your day as opposed to the outcomes that many people listening are getting right now. So number two is build that bulletproof routine so that you're being proactive in controlling the outcome of your day and the energy of your day, not being reactive to all the bad news that seems to fall in our laps right now. I so love that you said it because my very first episode of my podcast was all about doing life while you're quarantining at home. And one of the main tips that I gave people was that I literally schedule out every single thing in my day. But because it keeps me organized, it keeps me from feeling like it's Groundhog's Day. It, same thing, you know, my breakfast happens and my, my workout happens and my, you know, my personal development, same thing, whether it's a book or a podcast or something. And my time with my son happens before he starts his schoolwork so that by the time I dive into my work work, I'm like, yes, I'm firing on all cylinders. I feel really good and I'm ready. And anytime one of those things doesn't happen, especially if it's my workout, Mm-hmm. it's not the same autumn. It's, if my workout especially is missing, I'm just, I'm not quite as positive because I need my endorphin rush. I need to feel like I did for me. Yeah. And that is huge because like you said, when you're dealing with something stressful like money, if you've, if you've been thankful for what you do have, if you've acknowledged your health and everything, if you've done a little something for you, then it makes you go, okay, I'm ready to tackle the harder stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true, Autumn. Like, listen, in a time where a lot of people are losing jobs and there's a lot of financial fear, it's very easy to feel scarcity until you actually take a mental accounting for everything that you do have. Right. Right. And, and actually taking a mental accounting for everything you do have almost leads us into point number three, because point number three is this. If number one was stop the bleeding and get the, uh, you know, your monthly outcome to the lowest thing. Number two, create that bulletproof routine so that you're proactive, not reactive. Then number three is this. Number three is you must, at any expense, find three months runway, preferably 12. Now, I'll explain what runway is. Runway means the number of months that you can survive without another dollar coming in. And here's why I say three months. Um, The next three months are going to be the worst three months of this situation. By the time that they are reporting, hey, we're officially in a recession, that's a lag indicator. So they're looking back on what we're going through right now, okay? So if this is going to be the roughest three months with surprises that you trust me, you don't see them coming, but they'll happen, financial surprises, then you must, under any circumstances, create at least three months runway. Now, if you're listening to this and you say, well, I don't have any money, so this point does me no good. That's why I shared my story in the beginning. We took some drastic steps. We short sold the home before everybody else was short selling the home. We moved into a small apartment. We let everyone from Craigslist come by all of our possessions um, while the neighbors looked on. We looked and, and thought, what else do we have? Retirement, 401ks, 
um, cars that we could sell, like every single thing, our rental properties, we liquidated everything to get just below zero and then get that 12 months runway. And um, so I'm telling you, the listener, that it's not an excuse to say, well, this point does me no good. I don't have any money. The point is go find the money because it's out there. And there's different tiers of assets that you can, I can help you with a memory jogger. Tier one is your checking savings and cash on hand. And that's the one that most people look at every day and they judge, am I abundant or not? And most people don't like that number. Right. Tier two though is um, any equity that you might have in properties, in boats, in timeshares, in anything that you have, it's time to use that equity in a situation like this to create your one, your runway. Um, tier two is also any investment income that you have that you were saving for a rainy day or for retirement. You can tap into that right now without any penalties, at least in the U S you can take up to a hundred thousand dollars out of your retirement accounts with no fees and no taxes. And, and that's, they've never done that before. Um, so you do have some things that you can do that maybe you didn't see right away when you were first thinking, do I have any money? Now I want to talk to the person who doesn't have any of that. Right. What's your three assets, your shoes, your bags, that car that you have a car payment on. Um, I mean, we are talking, get creative. If you have, and this will sound like some weird advice. If you have great credit or a line of credit available to you, then take out a quick line of credit, pull it out of that line of credit and put it in your account for three months runway. And this is only if you don't have the other things, by the way, here's why. The banks are already freezing lines of credit everywhere. They're already drying up liquidity everywhere. And that's what they do in a financial crisis. Um, so if that's the case, then you can't say, well, here's my runway. I've got a credit card with a lot of room on it. Or you can't say, well, I've got a home equity line with a bunch of room on it. That's my runway. Because they will come and they will knock that right down to what you owe on it. Because they have to protect themselves. So you need to pull out three months runway, put it in your bank so that nobody can touch it. And if none of that is an option, then I want you to ask who believes in you, who will um, invest in you, who will lend you the money, um, and where else can you part with something that you don't need for the next year or two in order to create this three-month runway. And by the way, Autumn, it's not going to be that big of a number. Right. And here's why. If you did step one, well, your monthly outgo, I know we all have different budgets in different parts of the country, but let's pretend it's like 2500 bucks a month. Times three months is only 7,500. Right. You can find 7,500 if you look hard enough by piecing right. all these things together. So that's, I can't stress the importance of that runway because it's going to be the difference between you making decisions that are good for your comeback and good for your future or decisions out of financial scarcity and panic right now. Well, and Chris, I'm even going to add one more to that. And I don't know, maybe you're getting to this point or not, but while a lot of jobs have gone away, there's a lot that still need people. And I know everybody's got to be careful in terms of their own health and they have to take that into consideration and what are they willing to risk and not willing to risk. But, you know, there's a million different um, delivery services out there, right? People that are delivering food and like Uber Eats and groceries and all that stuff. And like, if you do have a car and you're willing to go drive it around, Maybe that felt like something that wasn't something you were willing to do before. But like I could tell you, my, I have a 70-year-old aunt back in Ohio and she does it for fun. Like, she, like so she had like a little thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she used to make like $75 or $100 a week because she would only do it a couple days. And I was talking to her the other day and she's like, I made $500 this week. 
And I was oh like, give it, Auntie. Like, because there's so many people are ordering food in because they don't want to go out. Obviously, grocery stores probably need more employees now than ever because they're trying to keep social distancing and they're having more people clean carts and they're trying to open at different hours. So there are these other jobs that you could go out there and get because time is money too. Yes. And you're sitting at home and there's the option to sit at home or there's an option to go out and do something, you know, like obviously I'm a beach body trainer. So I could tell you becoming a beach body coach that now that's not a, that's not a guaranteed money right back in your pocket. The same as going and driving or working at a grocery store. But while we're thinking long-term and while we're thinking, what do I really want? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Am I tired of working for somebody else? These are all things to also sort of take into consideration. Yeah. Well, Autumn, that's up with that three month runway. That's literally step four. Like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Jump the gun. Runway. No, this is such a perfect segue. Step four is invent new income. And, and this is another must. This is not a suggestion. This is not a nice to have. Here's why. Invent income for now. And invent income for later because when jobs come back, they're going to look different. They're going to pay different. Some, some of them are not coming back as we know it today. Um, and you're probably now realizing the importance of having multiple streams of income or controlling your own stream of income. And so even if you plan on going back to a job or if you don't, step four is you must invent new income. And listen, it's easier than you think. All you need is two things in order to invent new income. You need a way to deliver your product. So if it's coaching or workouts or something like that, it's Zoom, FaceTime, uh, whatever. Uh, if it's a physical product, it's Etsy, it's Amazon. It's, right, it, there's delivery systems galore out there right now. It's never been easier to do e-commerce. So you need a way to deliver your product and you need a way to charge for it. And that is PayPal, Stripe, uh, Venmo. There's so many easy platforms that you can be up and running in five minutes. I have people that have been sliding into my DM saying, Hey, I took your advice and I created this coaching in the morning and I received money for it in the afternoon. That's how fast you can be up and running and invent new income. Now, if you're being, if you're stuck, if you don't know, well, what can I invite? What can I invent? I don't know what I'm good at. Here's two key questions that you need to ask yourself. Number one is, what are the brand new needs? What are the brand new urgent needs that have been created ever since this shift occurred? And then number two, what do my past experiences and what do my current skill sets have to do with fulfilling or solving one or some of these needs? And when you really sit with that question, Autumn, I'm not, I'm not saying like flippantly ask yourself that. I'm saying sit with it like it's an exercise. Brainstorm it, paper to pen, or pen yeah. to paper. Journal it out for sure. You'll receive multiple answers and you're going to have to actually pare it back and just go deep on one thing. Right. There, we're at a time right now where I'm seeing people invent income left and right that they never planned on doing. Some of it is supplemental income. Some of it is a brand new business that they'll have for life. And Autumn, because of this, yes, coronavirus is causing a lot of uh, illness and deaths. And I'll tell you what, it's going to create more bankruptcies than deaths like a thousand to one. But here's, here's the positive side. This shift in the world is creating more brand new solutions, more brand new products, more brand new entrepreneurs, more brand new businesses, and more, it'll create more brand new millionaires than any other part of our adult history. I promise you that. 
Yeah. And so if you do these things and if you ask these better questions and get better answers and create the, you know, participate in these shifts, you're going to come out the other end as one of these success stories, even if you were not a success story going into this thing. And that should be encouraging for everybody. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Chris, do we have a few minutes to take some questions? Absolutely. Okay. Cause we got some really good ones coming in. Okay. Uh, so one of the questions, so this is from Shannon and she said, how do I best handle increasing food and grocery prices against your budget? I don't really eat out. Are there things we can buy more frequently to keep the costs down? So you go first. You tell me, are you, are you seeing increases in food prices per se or? I would be um, lying if I said I paid attention, but I've got great compassion to the people who are seeing an increase in some of these things based off of supply and demand because supply, there's a shortage demand has gone way up and I know that um, some people in some tighter financial situations, it's really hit them hard. This is where step one and step four are so important. Step one, get the other bills down, call Mm -hmm. and negotiate everything. And step four, invent that new income. You can be up and running this afternoon um, because there are some things that have gotten a little bit more expensive. And there is a huge um, cutback in, of course, jobs and income. And so step one and step four, take care of that exact question of if your monthly uh, grocery bill went up by 10, 20, 30%, that is offset the minute you invent some new income. And we're not talking about like becoming a millionaire overnight. We're talking of, I love your example about your aunt, seven years old, you said? Yeah. That she was making a hundred bucks a week roughly uh, before this happened. Yeah. In Ohio, just delivering stuff. That's $400 a month. That might be the entire increase in your grocery bill or whatever bill it is that you're asking about. So step one and step four, totally take care of that. If you're willing to, oh boy, full circle, go back to what Autumn said in the beginning and get gritty and be resourceful. Well, I'm going to contribute to it from the fitness and nutrition side of this. Because I actually, believe it or not, I do pay attention. Like I really do because I'm asked questions so often about managing your grocery bill and things like that. So I'm always paying attention. If I go to this grocery store, how much is it compared to if I go to that grocery store? And there are definitely differences if you're going to a whole paycheck store, if you will. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or if you're going to a Trader Joe's or something like that. But here's what I'm going to say I've seen a lot of. And I watch it even when I'm grocery shopping. The grocery bill, I don't think is going up because the the price of food is going up because I actually think morally that would be a real, Mm -hmm. like a thing for the grocery stores to be doing that right now. I think what's happening is people are buying things that they wouldn't normally buy. Um, I've seen grocery shops loaded down with more or grocery carts loaded with more alcohol than I I'm like, are you having a party for Guns N' Roses? Like, what is happening in that shopping cart? In 148% increase in alcohol sales. Crazy. So people are spending money on alcohol because they're using it as a way to deal. Mm-hmm. They're buying more junk food because they're trying to keep the kids entertained. And they're trying to sometimes give themselves a treat because it's like, I'm in quarantine and I deserve ice cream. Yeah. And then also... What you have to remember is a lot of times when we go to the grocery store right now, we're not grocery shopping for three or four days worth of food. We're grocery shopping for 12, 
14 days worth of food. Mm -hmm. So it might look like the bill is more, but the question is, are you going as often? Like before this, I used to go to the grocery store almost every single day because I live close to it and I like to cook fresh and I don't always know what I want to eat. So sometimes I'm running over and grabbing what I need and okay, I'm coming home and I'm cooking. And now I go to the grocery store, I'm shopping for myself and my son, but I'm also shopping for my elderly father. Mm -hmm. And I'm leaving with two carts full and a pretty expensive bill, but it's also lasting me 14 days and same thing lasting my dad 14 days. So the question is, is are you buying things that you don't need to be eating? Are you self-medicating with alcohol? Are you using junk food as a means to deal with your emotions? Those are not foods that you need. If you plan, if you plan your grocery list, if you plan your meals for the week, then you should be able to get in there, get just what you need to last you for the week or two weeks and get out. And hopefully that bill won't be any higher. You know, Autumn, this is, you mentioned Beachbody earlier. This is also why I'm such a fan of network marketing is because to this person's question, network marketing explodes in recessions. And there's a reason why people, when they lose traditional opportunities, such as jobs and things, they finally become open to trying something that before they weren't open to. Right. And at the same time, when income is cut back, it's actually a very economical way. I have no idea what a beach body meal costs, but I'm guessing probably just a couple bucks, right? Well, we don't do meals. We'll teach you how to cook. Like there's my cooking show and the cookbooks. Um, there's a small fee that people pay to be a beach body coach. Okay. There's okay. a small fee that they pay and they're actually getting something for that. They're usually getting either Shakeology, which is, I think okay. that's what I was thinking of. So yeah. Shakeology, I thought the two Shakeology, were. Yes, and Shakeology, one serving of Shakeology is just, just under $5 a serving. Mm -hmm. And you get a month's worth of it. You buy a bag and it's a month's worth. So you're getting okay. something in return for what you're spending money on. And Very being expensive way to eat a healthy meal when you break it down per meal. Yeah. You can't get a meal at McDonald's for that price, barely. Well, you I don't do want experiment so you want to. Even if you can, you don't want to. You're better okay. off getting something that was sourced, you know, from a healthy standpoint, that's going to have everything you need and be the same price maybe as a McDonald's meal, right? Yes. Okay. Let's see. What else do we have? Um, assuming you weren't always so incredibly successful, what is something you did early in life to develop your wealth before you had it? Any tips or non-negotiables for young professionals? Heck yes. Okay. So I tend to think about money and, and how you should earn it different than other people. Cause I believe that there are new rules of money. In other words, what our parents taught us and what their, their parents taught them to teach us is super outdated. So to that brand new younger person, when you're just starting out, number one is invest every spare dollar that you can into developing yourself into being into becoming the leanest, meanest income producing machine possible. So this means education classes, uh, courses, um, like you name it, whatever it takes for you to have the knowledge and the confidence, uh, to be the leanest, meanest income producing machine that you can possibly be. That's the first place you put your money. The second place then is into your business or into your craft, because the more you put into it, then exponentially, the more of a return you should get from it. So first you become the ninja at being, uh, creating income. Then the machine, you start building the machine that actually creates the income after that machine is kicking off a lot of income, that's when you can finally start uh, investing in other things such as maybe an income producing property or maybe a low fee index fund or something along those lines. And by the way, if you have debt, 
then that's actually the third step is before you invest in those other things. I know it's backwards from what other people teach, but uh, before you invest in those other things, you get rid of that debt. So number one, yourself. Number two, your income producing machine. Number three, get rid of any debt. Then number four, that's when you start investing in some of these other things that you have. Yeah. And um, guys, the barrier of entry to having your own successful business these days. I don't care if it's an Etsy shop. I don't care if it's an online coaching program. I don't care if it's Beachbody. I don't care what it is. The barrier of entry is so low compared to the ceiling, which is non-existent, right? We have never before, including right now in this pandemic economy, we have never before been so spoiled and given so many people such a great chance at creating great wealth, for very little skin in the game. All you yeah. gotta do is just look for it. I will say you guys, from a very young age, um, I've always like liked money, been fascinated by money, thought about like, okay, if I want something, how do I save for it? Um, growing up, we had times where we had a lot of money and times where we didn't, so I had to learn. I mean, I was paying for my own dance classes when I was 12 and 13 years old so I could compete. I was buying my own costumes. And I was doing that because I went and got a job and I knew exactly how much things were and I knew how long, when I needed to buy it by and, and save. And when I went to college, yes, I got the, a credit card, right? Like my dad said, Autumn, you need to start building credit. And I went and I applied for that credit card and it had the huge high interest rate and my dad was like, each month I want you to buy one thing that you have, you already have the money in the bank to pay for it. You could pay for it cash. He's like, I want you to buy it on the credit card. And then when the bill comes, I want you to pay it off. So I bought like a little TV for my bedroom at my dorm. Okay. It was like $200 and the bill came and I paid it off. And then I would buy groceries and the bill would come and I would pay it off. So I built credit for myself from a young age, from the time I was 18, as soon as I could get that credit card, I did that. Like I said, I always tracked my bills and I always knew what the bills were that I had to pay. And then from what was left, how much I was putting into savings so that I was building my month, three months, and then what amount was left to have fun with. And that's still how I do it to this day. I get a paycheck. I know what bills need to be paid. I know what money needs to be set aside for my taxes. Then I see what's left. And I say, okay, this is my investment money. And I call my investment guy and I say, hey, I put this money in the account because I've got different accounts. Hey, it's in there. We can invest. And then I have my savings account and it's this cash goes in here. So there's liquid cash, there's checking, there's account for taxes that need to be paid. And then there's investment account. So I'm always like how I break my paycheck up is, has always been one of those things of like something I focus on to do. And what you just described was intention. It was focus. You had to learn that, right? Oh, yeah. And it sounds like your dad did a really good job of teaching you how to build credit. But what percentage of that did you go out and teach yourself? Um, I got a taught a really hard life lesson. I went to work one day. This was when I was a waitress at a very popular restaurant that serves a lot of cheesecake. Ah. I showed up at work one day and two servers had called out. And so here I am. And I actually, guys, I'll tell you, I was a very good waitress, server, however you want to word it. And I'm working my butt off and I'm hustling, 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 but I had way more tables than I should have had because two people called out and we had these things called secret shoppers and a secret shopper came in and I got secret shopped while I was waiting on a table of 10. My secret shopper was apparently a table of two. And it was interesting because the report came in and the report contradicted itself. It was like, she was great. She was cheerful. She was this, she was that. 
But the report had certain questions like, did she bring sugar to the table with your coffee? And they were like, no. But the person had ordered this like foo-foo coffee drink that was loaded with syrup. You would never add sugar to this thing. But the bottom line is, is I didn't get a high enough score on the secret shopper as I should have. And they fired me. Wow. And like, literally, I did not see this coming. I was living in my little studio apartment and I didn't have any savings. And I had to call my dad crying because I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, even if I got hired the next day at a new restaurant, I had to get trained. Then I had to get on the floor. Like I was going to be at least a month behind on bills. And so thank God my dad, uh, and I think my dad and my mom both gave me a little bit of money to get me through it. But it was that lesson right there where I was like, well, I can't end up in this position again because that was not my fault. Mm-hmm. I never saw that coming. I, I thought for sure, if anything, I would have gotten like a slap on the wrist or a talking to or if it happens again, I was let go right there on the spot. They handed me my paycheck and I, I had to, I was like, like I was there for a shift. I was there to work. And instead I got sent home. You, by the way, didn't it? What's that? What happened for you? It happened for me. It did. It happened for me for a lot of reasons. A lot of other things fell into place when I went and worked at the next place and da, da, da. But in that moment, I was just in a panic and I was like, oh, I didn't set myself up for success. Like I didn't set myself up to be okay if my job is taken away from me. And so from that point on, I mean, I was what, 22? So from that point on, I started making sure that didn't happen again. Yeah. And see, that's the moment that some people are going through right now, Autumn, is yeah, you might be sent home from work without a job anymore, and it may not come back. Your small business might be closed. You may not be able to work with your clients or work at your gym. This is happening for you because it's going to be the moment that will force you to learn the things that need to be foundational values so that you learn how to earn and keep and multiply income going forward after this. So no different than Lori and I. Uh, We thought we knew about money and we didn't. And we decided in 2008, 2009, in that story I told, we were never going to let this happen again. And we went out and decided to learn how to think, how to speak, how to act, how to behave with money, in what order, what were the successful people doing, not just what did your grandparents or parents tell you. Right. And when we look back on it, the greatest gift we were ever given, not during the moment. So I don't expect anyone to feel like it feels good, but looking back, the best you were ever given. Well, speaking of that, before we wrap this up, I was looking at some of the other questions people had sent us, but we definitely, you hit them with your four tips. Like every version of the question people had, your four tips definitely hit it. But before we wrap this up, you and Lori are actually doing something really amazing right now. You guys have a special grant going on for small businesses. So can you tell us about that before we go? Yeah, listen, Autumn, thank you very much for bringing that up. Uh, Lori and I, we've made, we've really leaned into giving during this time. And I feel like what goes around comes around and this is our turn. People helped us out in 2008, 2009. This is our turn to help other people out. And small business is our passion, right? We've got masterminds and coaching and all that stuff. And um, small business has been so good to us that we wanted to give back to the small businesses that let's just say the money didn't reach them that was supposed to reach them. So all these special grant programs, the solopreneur, the single mom and dad, like trying to make it work from home, the, um, the two woman or three woman storefront or tiny yoga shop. Those are the companies that didn't get these grants that were meant for them. And so Lori and I put together a grant of our own with our own money 
uh, we set aside $20,000 that we're going to give to 20 small businesses. So $1,000 each to 20 small businesses. We're even playing with increasing that fund. We have another fund that we're giving in a different way for COVID efforts, but this is strictly for solopreneurs and small businesses. And um, every, here's how you're eligible. As long as you make less than $750,000 a year, as long as you have less than 10 people on your team, on your, you know, your employees, as long as you are based in the U.S., Canada, or Mexico, um, and uh, as long as you were in business before uh, January 1st, 2020, then you're eligible for this grant. And our team, here's the best part, Autumn, Lori and I aren't picking the winners. Our team is going through the applications, and they're picking deserving individuals as a team. What a cool thing for them to get to do, right? So amazing. So we're announcing two winners per week for the next 10 weeks. And when that 20 grand runs out, we'll refill the coffers if we have to. And there's a very easy way you can apply. Um, you can apply the word grant or text the word grant uh, to Lori and I at 310-421-0416. So just text the word grant. You don't have to say anything else. Just text grant to 310-421-0416 and you'll receive the five-minute application. There's nothing to send in other than filling out the application. And that puts you in line for our team to possibly choose you as one of the 20 winners of the $1,000 grants. That is so, so amazing. I'm going to make sure we put that phone number and what they can text in the show notes so that in case people didn't write it down, they can. But you guys, there are so many useful tips right here. So if you just listen to this or if you know somebody who, should, who needs to listen to this, um, you know, we're all here. We're, we, we keep saying it. We're all in this together and we're all in it together in different ways but we've all been here at some point or another. So like now is the time to hopefully feel inspired and to rise up and to get creative. And if you want to apply for that grant text to the number, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to put it in the show notes just to make sure you guys have it. I'll give it one more time. It's 310-421-0416. Amazing. There it is. Chris, thank you so, so much for uh, joining me today for giving us, so much of your knowledge and your time. And next week, you guys, I'm speaking with Chris's wife, Lori, and yes. we're going to be talking about um, really like her, her bliss project, finding your bliss, finding your tribe, how to stay connected to your tribe when we're all supposed to be disconnected from each other. So make sure you tune in for that episode as well. Autumn, thank you so much for having me on it Means the World. My pleasure. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Let's Do Life podcast with me, Autumn Calabrese. This show is produced by Will Sterling for Podcast One. Be sure to download new episodes every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at podcastone.com. And don't forget to leave a rating and review.